everybody. How are we doing today? Zach, nice of you to follow on this early. This is the first official episode of the Lazy Boy Sports Podcast. I am Ryan Gray with my co-partner, Paul Thereen. He's on vacation in Florida. He's just living it up. He's drinking. He's getting hammered. Good for him. Good for you, Paul. I'm happy for you. But what you're going to get here today, it's a little different of a sports podcast. What me and Paul are going to attempt to do is we're going to talk not only Wisconsin sports as we are both Wisconsin natives, but we're also going to give you sports from all around. Today it's going to be a big day talking about the NCAA tournament a lot. We're going to include the Bucks here tonight before the Bucks tip off here on ESPN at 6 against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Big news. I'm going to open with this. The Cavaliers, they get Kevin Love back today. It'll be interesting to see how they play with Kevin Love, uh, what the Bucks do to try to slow him down. But it's going to be interesting. We'll see if the Bucks can get a win, a big win. They're going to need one. Sitting seventh right now in the standings, just a half game above the Heat. They're almost guaranteed to get in because the Pistons have just been so bad since the Blake Griffin trade. But we'll see if the Bucks can get a win. It'd be a big win for them. But along those lines, we're going to start here. So what are we going to do? We're going to give you anywhere from two to three podcasts a week is our attempt. This week, we might only give you one. I'm going to try to get a second one in before the next round of the NCAA tournament games start here next, this coming Thursday. But that's our goal. And what we're going to give you is the big sports news, but also the Wisconsin sports. Right now, we'll be talking about the Bucks a lot. Uh, in baseball season, it'll be the Brewers and it'll be the Packers. So we're going to work it like that. But right now, we're going to start with some NCAA tournament and Holy shit, what a start. If you want March Madness, you've gotten March Madness. I'm going to kind of give a region-by-region region breakdown, what I've seen, uh, a very opinionated decision that I'm going to make, and it, it, it should be fun. I mean, we saw right away the one seed, the top overall one seed, Virginia, just get absolutely blown out by UMBC, and I was surprised just as everyone else was. But now that I've seen UMBC twice, they lost to Kansas State last night. I'm not as surprised as I think I was as to think I think this team's actually decent. Um, they've got players who can score. And with Virginia, we've said it all along, and we're going to keep saying it until they can figure out offensively. But if they run into a team that's just shooting hot, that's playing with house money like UMBC was, and Virginia can't really score that game, they're going to get upset, and we saw it. The first 116 upset in men's college basketball. I'm surprised. I'm amazed. I can't believe it actually happened. I was talking to you know, a couple of my buddies the night before, and I said, I don't know if we're ever going to see a 116 in our lifetime, and behold, it happens the next day. Pretty crazy, pretty awesome. But for Tony Bennett, such a great guy. You talk about their, their, their two-guard play of Ty Jerome, Kyle Guy. That's what these guys are going to be remembered for is losing in a one sixteen game, and that sucks. And, you know, Tony Bennett was all class afterwards, but give them credit. You know, UMBC played a hell of a game. They couldn't miss. Everything Jairus Lyles threw up seemed to go in. It was just one of those days, and Virginia got caught on a bad day. They just couldn't score. They couldn't stop UMBC, and it was rough. And that was just the beginning of this region. You talk about the 413 Arizona Buffalo, a team that 
I had going to the championship was Arizona. I think a lot of people had him going to the championship. I felt that the whole Sean Miller thing would galvanize his team. And I didn't see this coming. Um, DeAndre Ayton, Alonzo Trier, two NBA players, they didn't show up. They didn't care. And it showed. Alonzo Trier couldn't hit a shot. DeAndre Ayton didn't even look engaged in the post. And it wasn't good. It, it was a bad game from Arizona, and Buffalo ran them out of the building. Now give Buffalo credit. C.J. Massenburg, you know, Nick Harris, Nick Perkins, they, they have these guys who can play. You know, they hit shots. They did the same thing UMBC did. They hit shots. They broke Arizona down defensively. And we talk about a lot of times in March. What wins March? Guards do. And I'm going to get to it later with Purdue. But Arizona's been about their bigs. They were about DeAndre Ayton. And because of that, their guards weren't as good. We've seen with Arizona in the past. Why does Sean Miller struggle in March? It's because his team is all about the bigs. And it's it's hard to win in March when you don't have good guards. Because you can double a big down low. You can even triple big. You can make guards shoot the ball. If they don't make shots, it's not going to matter. You're not going to score. And that's what happened to Arizona. And Buffalo was able to beat them. Now, Buffalo... Struggled with Kentucky. I, I kind of expected that. I kind of thought Kentucky's length would run them off the three-point arc, which is where Buffalo's really good. It happens. And now Kentucky's got a beautiful draw, but I'm going to get to that in a little bit. You go down further. Little Chicago beats Miami in the first round. One hell of a game. you know. And I'm getting to the point now where Little Chicago has beaten Miami. They've beaten Tennessee. Maybe Chicago is actually good, and we just don't know it. I mean, this is a team, they've won 12 straight games, and maybe they're just a good team. They're well coached by Porter Moser, and they've got some players. Clayton Custer is a heck of a player. Dante Ingram is a 6'4 shooting guard slashing small forward who can shoot it and get to the rim. He's not going to back down from anyone. And you talk about their big Cameron Crutwig, Andre Jackson, they got Marquise Towns, who can't really shoot it, but he is so good off the dribble, so good finding those open spaces. Maybe this team is just good. And you look, it's a lot of seniors, it's a lot of upperclassmen, and it's what makes them so good is they have the ability to bring in their seventh, eighth, ninth guy, and he's as good as their second and third. And you don't get that a lot with mid-majors. So with mid-majors, you got a lot of five, six guys, and you have to hope you don't get in foul trouble. Well, for Little Chicago, they don't have to worry about that. If they get in foul trouble, they can go to the next guy. They have five guys who average double figures. And that's the biggest thing about them is that they play as a team. They're well coached. And when I watched them that first game against Miami, five minutes in the game, the first thing I said is it's very Virginia-esque. It's a team that's going to shut off your passing lanes. They're going to make you do what you don't want to do. And with a lot of people thought going up against Tennessee, you got Grant Williams, you got Admiral Schofield, that Loyola wouldn't be able to handle their bigs, wouldn't be able to handle the athleticism of Tennessee. And I'm not going to say they handled it well, but what did they do is they made Tennessee become a jump shooting team. And Tennessee is not a great jump shooting team. And what they did is every time Schofield or Grant Williams got the ball, they doubled down if they caught it at 20 feet. They had help right away, so that if they drove, they had to dish it, and they made Tennessee beat them with their guards. Like I said two minutes ago, guards are going to win in March. 
bigs can win you games in the regular season. Having a really good big is awesome. That's that's amazing. But guards are going to win you in March. Let's remember back to Ohio State. They had Greg Oden. He was really good. But they had Mike Conley. It happens. You can have a good big, but you have to have guards that can get to the rim, can hit shots when you need to. And that's why even the team like Little Chicago is still going. They have Clayton Custer. They have Marquise Towns. They have Dante Ingram. They have guards who can get to the rim and hit big shots. Now you even go to the game below that, who they're going to match up with next, Nevada. I don't think I've ever been more into a game where I'm not really cheering for a team, but I want a team to win in Nevada. Down 22 points with 10 minutes left. And when I'm saying 22 points with 10 minutes left, I'm saying it wasn't chip away, chip away, chip away. Cincinnati got the lead to 22. It was an onslaught from the beginning. And Nevada had no chance to answer what Cincinnati was doing. They couldn't rebound. They couldn't score. And Nevada really didn't have an answer for the first 30 minutes. You know, Caleb Martin picked up two fouls in the first 10 minutes. Those of you that don't know, Caleb Martin, he's their top scorer. He was the Mountain West Conference Player of the Year. He's not Nevada's only player, but he's Nevada's player. If Nevada's going to win, he needs to have a day. Ten minutes into the game, he's sitting on the bench with two fouls. And Nevada, they go six deep. Their seventh guy has, in games this year, not played or played two minutes. Their bottom two guys on the bench are two guys they took from the football team because they needed to fill the bench. And they lost their starting point guard halfway through conference play because he tore up his knee. We're talking about a team, and they don't, they're not supposed to be here. Like, it's not supposed to be that way. And down 22 with 10 minutes to play. And somehow it starts with a Kendall Stevens three that cuts it to 19. And all of a sudden, Nevada started rebounding. They chipped away. And it came so fast that the next thing you knew, Cincinnati's calling a timeout, and it's a 12-point game. And I'm not going to say it's a 12-point game and I thought Nevada's going to win. But all of a sudden, things started going their way. Jaron Cumberland picked up his fourth fumble, led Cincinnati in scoring yesterday, before all of a sudden, two minutes later, he picked up his fifth and he fouls out. The next thing you know, Cincinnati's unraveling. What Nevada did on defense, and Eric Musselman talked about this in the postgame, is they just started kind of trapping. They they kind of started playing some schoolyard bullshit on defense. It was, if a guy has the ball, go double him. Go try to get the ball. And they sped Cincinnati up. And Cincinnati can play at a good speed. Don't get me wrong. They, they're fine playing faster. They play 11 guys, 10 guys. They're a deep team. But when you have a 20-point lead, you start to kind of sit back, and all of a sudden, next thing you know, when it's not my finger, it's a 12-point game, and you start to press, and you start to kind of lose it, and you miss a shot here and there, and you see Nevada starts making shots. They went on a 16-0 run. When you're up 22 and a team goes on a 16-0 run, it's down to six, you start getting a little nervous, and, and I think that happened to Cincinnati. I don't care how good you are. I don't care how many seniors you have. If your lead gets cut down 
from 22 to 6 in a matter of four minutes, it's it's not going to be easy. Nice to see you, Megan. It's not going to be easy. And I, I think that caught up to Cincinnati, and they started to struggle. So you take a look now at the South region. It's going to be Kansas State against Kentucky, Little Chicago, Nevada. I'm going to try to get on later this week, get another podcast up. But my prediction coming out of here is Nevada at this point. Um, I know a lot of people are going to say Kentucky. I know they're they're the favorite in this region. <clears throat> but it's a lot of freshmen. And I think coming into this region, they weren't favored. They were the five seed. They were supposed to lose in the second round to Arizona. Heck, even some people had them losing, losing the first round to Davidson. And that's been their toughest game out of the two so far. At some point, I think this team's going to get a little nervous. And you look at that Nevada team, they have an NBA head coach. I don't think he's much worse than a coach than John Calipari is in-game coaching. They have Cody and Caleb Martin, two transfers from NC State. They've been there. They've done it. They have Kendall Stevens, a transfer from Purdue. <clears throat> he's played at this level. They have Jordan Caroline. If you've never seen Jordan Caroline play, this is your chance. This kid is a stud. He's a dude. He's a transfer from Southern Illinois. And their fifth starter, Hallis Cook, a transfer from Oregon State and then Iowa State. Come off the bench, they're one guy they like to bring off the bench, Josh Hall. He's been huge for them. He hit the game winner against Cincinnati. This is a team that you start to think maybe it's destiny. Down 14 to Texas, down 22 to Cincinnati. It's been such an amazing and hectic March Madness. You get to the point where a team that's been down by so much twice already in the two games, you start to think maybe it's just meant to be. And I'm going to tell you right now, the winner of that Loyola Chicago-Nevada game, my prediction is going to be Nevada, but the winner of that game comes out of the South. Now let's look ahead to the bottom in the West region. We saw last night Xavier get upset by Florida State. I didn't see it happening. I I didn't predict it happening, but again, it doesn't surprise me. Um, Florida State's athletic, and Xavier took him to the woodshed last year, beat him by 28 in the NCAA tournament, and I think that was a little bit of a payback from Florida State, saying, you know what, you had us last year, we're going to get you this year. You go down, it's been chalk there, Gonzaga, Ohio State. Gonzaga got up 15-0 on Ohio State, and Ohio State came back. Actually took about a six-point lead late in the second half. Gonzaga able to battle away. They've had two tight games, but let me tell you, this team's getting better. And Zach Norvell's been really good. Rui Hachimura's been really good. Josh Perkins has been really good. Just wait till Killian until he gets going. This kid shot 50% from the three-point arc in the regular season. He's 6'11". Now, I love my big guys who can step out and shoot. But wait till Killian Tilly gets hot in this tournament. It could very easily be this coming weekend against Florida State. If he gets hot, the way this bracket's now set up, Gonzaga has a really good chance to get to the championship game and be right where they were last year. And they've got those seniors. They've got Josh Perkins. They've got Jonathan Williams. They've been there before. It would not surprise me if this team finds a way they get there and Killian Tilly gets hot. They get there and win this thing. Look back down. Houston, Michigan, chalk. Michigan beat Houston. What a devastating loss for Houston. I mean, Devin Davis, 9 for 9 from the free throw line. He's been a great free throw shooter all year. 
78, 80% all season. He misses three to end the game. And down by two, Michigan hits a three at the buzzer to win it. Jordan Poole, a freshman from Milwaukee here in Wisconsin. Shout out to Jordan Poole. But it's just devastating for Houston. I mean, first game against San Diego State, they almost blow it. But Rob Gray throws up 32. That kid is a hell of a player. And then you come in against Michigan. Rob Gray doesn't shoot the ball well. Goes about four for 15. And yet, they're winning the whole game. And Michigan has not looked like the Michigan we saw in the Big Ten tournament. I think that has to do with the layoff. That has to go for next year. But just heartbreaking for Houston and Devin Davis, a senior. You got to feel for the kid, but heck of a shot by Jordan Poole. And that's what March Madness is about in Michigan. They haven't played well through two games, but they're sitting there right where they want to be. <clears throat> Again, Texas A&M, North Carolina, Chuck there. But then Texas A&M beats North Carolina yesterday. Again, another game kind of like the Xavier Florida state game where I didn't predict it. I, I didn't see it coming, but again, it doesn't surprise me. I said, Jordan Carolina's a dude, Texas A&M has dudes. I mean, dudes, you talk about down low, Robert Williams is a lottery pick. Tyler Davis is as big as any of the guys in this tournament. The problem for them all season is, when they were good, they had Dwayne Wilson at point guard. Well, he got hurt. He tore his Achilles, so he's or he tore his ACL. He's out for the rest of the year. And for some reason, Tyler Davis and Robert Williams just don't play 40 minutes every game. They just don't show up. And I think now it's come to the point where they realize it, it, it's win or go home, and they're showing up. I mean, these two guys – just killed North Carolina in the paint yesterday. I mean, just killed them. North Carolina had no answer. Luke May basically couldn't do anything around the block. Every time he went in there, he got stuffed. And now you set up a Texas A&M-Michigan matchup where, again, I'm going to make my predictions like I did the top. I think Texas A&M beats Michigan. They're playing better. And I, I don't know how Michigan stops Tyler Davis and Robert Williams. What, are you going to put Mo Wagner on them? Yeah, Mo Wagner's going to step out. He's going to hit some threes. But what's he going to do defensively against these two? He's got no answer for Robert Williams and Tyler Davis on the block. And if Mo Wagner gets in foul trouble, don't expect Joe Teske to play much better. The top side, Florida State, Gonzaga. I'm going to take Gonzaga. I think Killian Tilly's going to start get it going. Jackson M. Gonzaga. I'm going to take Gonzaga. So on that side, I have Gonzaga, Nevada. I will take Gonzaga to get to the championship. I just think Killing Tilly's going to get hot here. He's going to get hot. And when he gets hot, he's going to step out and hit threes. And I, I know I said, I don't know how Michigan handles Davis and Williams. And I don't know how Gonzaga does it. But they have Killian Tilly, who's bigger than Mo Wagner. And I think Rui Hachimura has finally come along. He's a freshman. He's finally figured it out defensively. I think he's going to step in and have a huge game. Huge game against Texas A&M to get to the Final Four. I think he's going to be the real reason why they get there and how they end up getting there. Let's go back up to the top right in the east. It's kind of been a lot of chalk here. We have Villanova. They beat Alabama. I, I think a lot of people kind of expected that. West Virginia, who played Marshall. Look, I knew nothing about Marshall coming into this tournament. I heard they could score a lot. I heard they had a guy who could score by the name of John Elmore. John Elmore, whatever you are. 
after beating Wichita State, I'm a believer in John Elmore. And I know they got their shit rocked last night against Marshall. They lost by or to West Virginia. They lost by 23. But I watched that whole Marshall Wichita State game. John Elmore was a man, and they have a big guy Paneva. Those two kids are good. Now I knew nothing about Marshall coming in. I didn't pick them to beat Wichita State because I didn't think they were actually good. John Elmore is a stud and. West Virginia did a really good job of shutting him down last night. They put Javon Carter on him, made it really hard. More on Javon Carter here in a t- couple seconds, but I got to give John Elmore credit. Now, Villanova, West Virginia, this is going to be a heck of a game. Villanova's good. But if Javon Carter plays the way he's played these first two weeks, or these first two games, they have a really good shot of beating Villanova. Javon Carter threw up 28 points yesterday. Four rebounds, four assists, four steals. The kid is unbelievable. And I think Villanova's going to get past them because they they have the guards. They've got Jalen Brunson. Mikhail Bridges has taken a leap this year from Earth to Mars. I don't know where he came from. But he is taking a huge leap. They got Dante DiVincenzo. I love that kid. But West Virginia scares me. And I think right now they're the dark horse out of all the teams still left that if they win it, I would sit back and say, I didn't pick it. Because I didn't I don't think they're gonna beat Villanova, so I didn't pick it. But I would not be even one percent surprised because of the way they can play, because Bob Huggins is coaching this team, and because they right now may have the best player in college basketball left in this tournament in the way he's playing in Javon Carter. You get on a little lower, mainly chalk here. I know Butler was worse seeded in Arkansas. Butler just knows how to win this time of the year. Purdue able to get past Butler. The big news here is no Isaac Haas, and it's not as big as people think. I know. They lose Isaac Haas. It's a big loss for rebounding. He's a good defender. He's tough in the paint. But I said guards win in March, which is why I think Texas Tech's going to beat Purdue. Yes, Purdue's got Carson Edwards. Yes, they're the better-seeded team. But Texas Tech has Keenan Evans. The kid's playing on a sprained toe. And still... Against Stephen F. Austin and against Florida, neither team could keep him out of the paint. I didn't see a lot of Keenan Evans this year. I, I knew about him. I knew he was good. This is a team that I watched them one time when they played Nevada. Nevada beating them the whole game, missed free throws down the stretch. Texas Tech took them to overtime and beat them. But beside the point, Keenan Evans is a hell of a basketball player. And not only do they have him, but Zaire Smith, a freshman, at this point of the year, if you're a freshman, you're no longer a freshman. You're supposed to have taken that step already. It's already basically your sophomore season. You're supposed to have taken that step. Zaire Smith is exactly that guy taking that step. He's about 6'5", 6'6", but the kid is athletic as all get out. And he is the X factor in this game against Purdue. Purdue's going to do what they do. 
They're going to put Harms on the block like they did with Haas. Harms is going to get breaks here and there. Vincent Edwards is going to do his thing from the four spot. Carson Edwards is going to try to make plays at the point guard spot. But Texas Tech is so athletic, and they're so tough. It just feels like a team that, especially without Haas, can get by Purdue. And then I think Texas Tech against Villanova. As much as, again, I, I want to take West Virginia to beat Villanova, and I want to take Texas Tech to beat Villanova, I almost feel like Villanova right now is playing just good enough to get there. And they've been really good through two games. Don't get me wrong. But they've got a really tough road. West Virginia's not going to be easy. And the winner of Purdue, Texas Tech, isn't going to be easy. I think they're going to get there. And then you go down to the Midwest region. You have Kansas. You have Clemson. Oh, my gosh. What did Clemson do to Auburn last night? Now, I thought New Mexico State was going to beat Clemson because Clemson lost Dante Grantham, their best player, midway through the season. And after they lost him, they were 7-6 and six the rest of the way. That, that's a huge – you lose your best player, you go 7-6. and six. That shows what you are at that point. But holy hell, what did they do to Auburn? I'm going to tell you what they did to Auburn. Auburn is the same as a lot of these other SEC teams. They're the same as what we saw in Tennessee. They're the same as what we see in Kentucky. There's a reason why Tennessee lost. Because they can't shoot the three. And what did Loyola do to them? They didn't let them get to the rim. What did Clemson do to Auburn? They didn't let them get to the rim. And I I think that killed them. They couldn't get to the rim. They're not a great shooting team. And it, it showed last night. Sorry about that, guys. We lost our live video there for a sec. Podcast still running, but as I was saying, Clemson just didn't let Auburn get to the rim, and it killed them. It literally killed them. They couldn't shoot from distance. They couldn't use their strength, and Clemson took it to them. You look down, you got Syracuse and Duke. Nobody expected Syracuse to be here. Nobody expected Syracuse to even really get past Arizona State. Nobody expected Syracuse to even get into this NCAA tournament. And I think that was the biggest thing is that they got in and they do this every year that they're not supposed to get in. They get in and they upset some crazy teams and they did it to Michigan State. And how did they beat Michigan State? They made Michigan State shoot threes. Michigan State's not a great shooting team. They're not a team that wants to settle for threes, but for some reason, Miles Bridges shot 12 of them. Like Michigan State was right there at the half. Why did Tom Izzo walk into the halftime locker room, look at Jaron Jackson, look at Miles Bridges, and say, 
One of you stand on the wing, the other one stand at the free throw line, and you guys switch back and forth between the two. Like the best way to beat a zone is to have a guy at the free throw line. Who better than Miles Bridges or Jaron Jackson? Like who better? Yet they never did it. Miles Bridges stepped out to the wing multiple times behind the three-pointer and chucked up a three with the player in his face. Like Syracuse bigs were all in foul trouble with about eight minutes to play in the game. Eight minutes to play. And yet, Michigan State didn't attack them. Yes, they got every offensive rebound they wanted this side of the Mississippi, but they didn't attack them, and I don't know why. If you look at that Michigan State roster, how are they home already? It just blows my mind. Duke beat up on Iona, beat up on Rhode Island. I think they're going to beat up on Syracuse. They're going to figure out how to – they've played that zone all season themselves. They're going to know how to beat it. They're going to beat up on – Syracuse is going to keep it close for a little while because they're going to slow it down with that zone, and I give them credit. Give Syracuse credit. They're not supposed to be here. They can have all the credit in the world. But I think Duke's going to take it to them. I'll take Duke against Kansas in the Elite Eight. Look, Duke, Duke is playing the best basketball in college basketball right now. There's no ifs, ands, or buts to it. They are playing the best basketball. And then I got a Duke-Villanova one side of the Final Four, and I have Nevada and Gonzaga in the other. Duke-Gonzaga championship, and I'll take Duke. I, I, I don't see – if this team plays the way they've been playing for the past week, it, it, nobody beats them. I haven't seen a team play this good in a long time. They're playing – they're just playing really good basketball. That's all there is to it. All right, we're going to take a quick shift here. I'm going to have another uh, podcast and live Periscope for you guys. Um, I'll probably look to Thursday. It could be Wednesday, Wednesday or Thursday. If it is Thursday, I'm going to do them before the games. If it's Wednesday, we'll try to get it uh, Wednesday evening sometime, maybe around this time again. We're going to take a quick shift. I want to get – I don't want to keep this too long for you guys. I want to keep these around 40, 50 minutes every time we do this. I want to switch to box basketball quick. 10, 15 minutes on the box. Um, I don't know where to start. This team should be better. Um, I think that's all there really is to it. They're 37 and 32. They're sitting in the seventh spot. And as much as I want to talk about now, I want to talk about a year to two years ahead of time. If this is how the Bucs are going to be, they're going to lose Giannis, and we're going to have to start all over and find another Giannis. There's not another Giannis in this universe, but they're going to have to find another one if they don't do something real quick. He's the future of the Bucs as long as the Bucs show him that there is a, a positive future. And right now, there is no positive future. Like They're, they're 37 and 32. They traded for Eric Bledsoe. You look at the teams ahead of them. You have the Pacers. 
The Pacers' best player isn't better than the Bucs. Giannis is better than Oladipo. Their second best player isn't better than the Bucs. Probably say second best player right now is probably Middleton. Miles Turner's not better than Middleton. Their third best player, you'd say probably for the Bucs, it's Bledsoe. I don't even know who the Pacers' third best player. Maybe Collison? Maybe? Maybe at this point Bogdan Bogdanovich? Like, come on. It's frustrating. And like I, I, I know Thon Maker is a work in progress. I know he's only 20, whatever age he is, actually 38. I don't know. But right now he can't play. He's lost on defense. A team puts him in a pick and roll. And it looks like he's trying to speak Chinese. Like he he doesn't know how to guard a pick and roll. He doesn't even know how to guard a big guy. And I I, I don't remember what game it was I was watching. I think it was the Grizzlies. But Thon ran down the court right down the middle of the hoop wide open. He never turned his head. And Jason Terry threw him a pass and it hit him in the head and went out of bounds. Like, Thon, figure it out, man. I know the Bucks have high high hopes for Thon. I do, too. I really hope Thon ends up being really good. But right now, he's not there. And we're to the point. They have John Henson. They have Tyler Zeller. As long as those two are healthy, Thon has to be a DNP every game that those two are healthy. Because every time he's in there, he's a minus because the other team is throwing it into the big. And when they're not, they're grabbing the offensive rebound. And right now, the Bucs need to get rid of these Brandon Jennings, Jabari Parker, Thon Maker lineups. I don't know if there's a worse defensive lineup out there. Brandon Jennings, he's not the worst defender. But he can barely guard a stick. Jabari Parker, half the time, doesn't even get back on defense. And I've complained about Thon enough, I can't complain anymore. When I'm off camera, I complain about Thon 24-7 whenever I'm watching the game. Like, it's bad. 117 to the Hawks, 126 to Orlando, 103 to a Memphis team. That remind you, in that game, started Colby Simmons and Wayne Selden as their two guards. 112 to the Knicks, Sands, Kristaps, Porzingis. 110 to the Sixers, where the Bucs need a 22-0 run just to take the lead by a point. Like, they're winning games. I get it. They beat the Knicks. They beat the Grizzlies. They beat Atlanta. They lost in Orlando. That was tough. It was They had to go across. the country but it's not good and I don't know what else to really say about it they have to figure it out and they have to figure it out fast or they're going to be sitting in that 7-8 spot and 
they're going to be stuck playing Toronto, who they cannot seem to beat. Or they're going to be playing the Celtics, who they're not going to beat. Now, my prediction to come out of the East right now is still Cleveland. I don't think Toronto is good enough. Yes, the Celtics have Kyrie, and I want to pick them so bad. But they have these kids. They have Jalen Brown. They have Jason Tatum. They're not ready. I'm not saying Cleveland is world beaters right now. They're not close. They're three games away from being in the seven seed. But I still don't see the teams atop of them beating them in seven-game series. Like, you get LeBron in a series. We'll just say you put LeBron in a series up against – we'll just say the Cavs or or against the Celtics and Kyrie. LeBron is going to win at least two of those games. So that means in a five-game series, his team just has to win two. You get K-Love back. You get Larry Nance back. You're telling me with a little help from LeBron that those guys can't win two out of five against the Celtics when two of those games are probably going to be at home? And same thing against the Raptors? Against the Raptors team that can't shoot from the outside? I don't see it. And I think Cleveland's going to get walloped in the NBA Finals, whether it's the Warriors or Rockets. In my opinion right now, I would take the Rockets. But it's not going to be any more than a five-game series. By the time LeBron gets to the championship this season, he's not going to have anything left in the tank. He's going to be dead. I hate to say it, but if Milwaukee can find a way to get hot, there's still time. They're good enough. They're close enough. If they can find a way to get to that 4-5 seed, which they're about two and a half, three games back, they're right there. There's enough time. There's winnable games down the stretch. It starts on Wednesday against L.A. You go to Chicago. You come back home to face the Spurs. They could go 3-0 in that stretch. You go to L.A. to face the Clippers at Golden State and then at Los Angeles. It's possible you can win 10 games down this stretch. You go 10-4, and maybe 11-3, and sneak a win here or there that you're not supposed to get. It's very possible they find themselves in that 4-5 game against the Wizards or the Pacers or whoever it is. You win that. You're probably going to get the Raptors. Look, they haven't been well against the Raptors, but if Milwaukee can get hot, finally they got Jabari to face the Raptors. Like They can do it. And especially if you get to that third series 
whoever it is who's going to be facing the Clippers to get to the championship, which I think is going to happen, you're going to be facing a Cavaliers team where LeBron has played probably close to 44, 45 minutes a game coming to there because they can't take him out. They can't sit him on the bench. I don't know. I, there's a lot still to happen. And that's why I want to get another podcast in this week before the next NCAA tournament games because then we have the ability to to talk about the NCAA tournament but also talk about this Bucks game here against the Cavs tonight. But look, the Bucks have to figure it out. If it's not this year, okay, let's make it next year. But they're a year or two away from losing Giannis, and it scares me. It really does. It scares me a lot. Because they lose Giannis, they're right back to square one. They're right back to ground zero. They're right back to where they were four or five years ago, where they're tanking and they're getting a top five, top ten pick. That's not where we want to be as a franchise. The Bucs are better than that. We just need to hope they can get there. I want to thank you guys for listening live on Periscope. I want to thank you guys for listening to this podcast. Now we've got a little wall, some issues involved. We're going to get that figured out. But I want to thank you guys for listening. We're going to be back with you either Wednesday or Thursday. We'll, we'll, we'll see as the week goes on what day works better. But we'll be back and we'll be back and better than ever. I want to thank you guys for listening. Peace out.